what what is the balance where where do you know how to how to sit where to allocate your time i don't know (laughs) (laughs) i don't know i'm figuring figuring it out as we go i think that you can offer a lot of value by helping people directly and then if you can sort of parlay that value into hey we need more of this that's the balance you need to strike hey everyone and welcome to another episode of the competitive enablement show I'm your host, Adam McQueen, and today I was joined by Brock Everett, the Competitive Intel Ambassador at Shopify. Prior to being in Compete, though, Brock was a sales leader, actually, at Shopify for four years. So he brings this unique perspective coming from sales and now also being in Compete. So in this episode, Brock shares why competitive content often misses the mark, what sellers really need to win, and how he's tackling this now to competitively enable his reps as this former seller turned compete pro. It's such a unique perspective and really worth listening to because he can just look at both sides of the coin as someone that consumed content for years and now the person that's in charge of creating this content, enabling reps, and really just helping them beat the competition. Also, I do have some exciting news. As of today, I can officially say that the CE show is a part of the Compete Network. The network is a collection of the best competitive voices in the space all under one roof. So now you're going to be able to hear and learn from some of the best in the biz, including Clara Smith, Andy McCotter Bicknell, Pep Laha, Emma Stratton, Federico Jorge, just to name a few. Plus, there's going to be plenty more Clue original content coming out. So I'm really excited about the network. I wanted to give the podcast listeners here the first sneak peek of this thing as we launch it. And we're going to be making plenty of noise about it too in the upcoming weeks. So head to the show notes, thecompetenetwork.com. There's going to be plenty more information coming out too. With that all said, let's get into today's episode. All right, today I am joined by Brock Everett, the Competitive Intelligence Ambassador at Shopify. Brock, thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, excited to chat. Good to see you. It's good to see you too. Brock, this episode, we want to talk about something we've talked about a lot on the podcast, and it's this relationship between sales and compete. But the reason why we wanted you in particular on this episode is you've got a pretty unique experience. You've lived both lives now. Um, Prior to getting into Compete, you spent, what was it, four years or so at Shopify in the sales and sales management role? Yeah, four years managing a sales team at Shopify and then another like six years before that as as a direct sales rep. So spent pretty much my entire career selling and then just made the move over to the competitive Intel team uh, almost a year ago now, last summer. So you've got a pretty unique perspective and I want to just dive right into it uh, on that side. Like why'd you shift from sales towards the compete side? Yeah. I'd always been curious about life outside of sales. Like what does it look like? You know, I think a lot of people in sales are, um, you know, so many people fall into sales and there's nothing wrong with it. It was a great time, a great career. I learned a ton, but I always, you know, I didn't get into sales with a lot of intentions. So I was always curious about like, what is it like to not have a quota and to work on projects? And, and, and after managing a team for, you know, four years, what is it like to like, just not have back-to-back meetings all day long? Like, what, what would that be like? 
So uh, I absolutely love Shopify. I love the people there, love the products. I didn't want to go anywhere, but uh, started exploring, like, what are some other ways that I can have some impact? And uh, the more and more I talked to the reps that I worked with, they were focused on our larger merchants. And we also had a large accounts team that was focused on really high GMV, doing a ton of volume online merchants. And one of the things that they you know, that kept coming up over and over again is like, we need competitive intelligence. It's crazy that we don't have this at our org. We had just launched a competitive intelligence team that was one man at the time. And, uh, and he was looking to bring someone in with a little bit of like a sales lens or some sales experience to translate some of the content that he created and resources that he'd created into more of like a sales lingo or something that, that is a little bit more usable by the sales team. So I think that that's one of the great things about you know, for, for anybody else who has a sales background is, is that it's very uh, easy to transition into another part of the org. Usually other parts of the org are really uh, hungry for people that, ha- that can bring that sales lens or point of view into, into their part of the org. So luckily Shopify, we talk a lot about like jungle gymming from one place to another and, and, and having impact in that way. So it just worked out quite well. What in particular then from your sales background has kind of has set you up to be successful moving into this compete side because traditionally you see a lot of compete programs especially when they're team one they they either sit with product marketing or they come from that product marketing lens we do see a lot as well from sales engineering side or the product side but less so someone that's like a i'm sales manager or sales leader really going into this space um actually our our own competitive enablement manager, Brandon, came from an AE over. So being see, seeing that firsthand has been interesting. But from your perspective, what's what set you up for success that you've picked up during your sales career in this compete world? Um, I think it's just developing a sense of like what really flies with with prospects. Like what kinds of talk tracks can you actually use? You, you know, there's always when, when you're in sales, there's always what marketing gives you or what product marketing gives you. And then you always kind of bring your own voice to it, right? And that's a very individual thing. Each sales rep does it their own way. But I think that you also tend to pick up talk tracks and best practices and ways of, you know, handling objections and questions that you should ask from your peers in sales. And I think that sometimes that can be missing from, um, you know, not just competitive intelligence, but even from like sales enablement, from product marketing, from, from all those different places. So um, like a, a good example of one of the first things that I did when I joined the team was I tried to, we use Gong to record all of our conversations with prospects and merchants. And so we're talking about competitors and we're handling objections and, and, and we're positioning against competitors all the time. So uh, one of the first things I did was try to seek out some clips of like real good, um, successful sales reps talking about how we compare to our competitors. So I could just build those into the resources for the sales team and say like, here, this isn't, you know, the marketing team or or a bunch of researchers on the competitive intelligence team telling you, this is what you should say. This is what other successful reps are actually saying and how they're talking about these things. I mean, it's the ultimate social proof, that currency, right? We talk about in like external marketing, you use your customers as social proof, but like within this context, as someone that's producing competitive resources, competitive content, you need that sort of validation, like you said, not made in an ivory tower, um, sales. And as someone that was in sales, you, someone told me like, is a I can never remember who told me this, but the quote was that sales are just the best BS detectors. And this is, and you can tell when something doesn't pass the sniff test from a messaging standpoint, like 
is this really going to be used in the field? Is this really going to be used when talking with a prospect? And I think using those real proof points is kind of this, um, it does, it does the legwork for you that you don't need to think about how to create this messaging. What about, is there anything that surprised you in your transition from sales towards this competitive role so far? That's a good question. Anything that surprised me, um, the number of competitors that are out there. (laughs) (laughs) Especially when you're Shopify. Yeah, it's wild. Yeah, there's there's a number of different product lines that we offer. You know, our main one, obviously the one that we're most most well-known for is just the straight e-commerce platform. And there's literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them out there. So uh, almost every day, I would say someone pings me now saying, have you heard of these guys? Like, what's up with them? So one of the things that we had to figure out very early is like, okay, how do we uh, automate this a little bit or create a process to allow people to do a bit of their own research and find out because I can't be, you know, sidetracking myself for 90 minutes every day to find out like who the hell is this competitor and what do they do and how do they compare to us and how should we position? So definitely having to like enable some people there a little bit rather than just relying on my personal experience coming up against competitors. Yeah. It's one of those things is especially when you have an unscalable amount of competitors that you, I think there's like, you want to be hands-on deal support because I think that that gives you some validity as a compete professional, but you don't want to be spending your whole time doing that. There's like a delicate balance between being hands-on and then also having some sort of like, hands off, like here, you could do, here's some resources, like do your own research, self-serve. And I don't have to spend my entire day just doing kind of ad hoc requests. Yeah. And that's been one of the biggest challenges I think so far is just finding that line. And because when I started, it was like, I was literally going from sales team to sales team and joining their meetings and being like, just use me, like hit me up. Let me know if you're in a compete, like pull me in. I'll get on the phone with the merchant. I'll like go off and do research for you. And that went great. It built a whole lot of trust and sort of got like the name of, of our team out there. So people you know, know to come to our Slack channel with questions and know to come to us. And it's, it's good because it helps us really keep a, our, our fingers on the pulse of like who, which competitors are coming up most frequently and in which way and what kinds of objections are people dealing with. But yeah, very quickly for sure, there's a need to, enable people to, 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 to find the answers themselves. I mean, one of the biggest things is building that visibility early on. And I mean, you already have credibility as a seller. Um, so being able to do that, it's, it's not a scalable process to begin with, but then if you start to implement other kind of things, like you mentioned, even just like a Slack channel, this is where all of your questions go that allows you to kind of start to build up a process that you can tackle the, I don't even know. I couldn't tell you how many competitors Shopify probably have to face. Like that seems like a, a ridiculous number. I I want to I want to go back in time a little bit. Let's put on your seller's hat. As a consumer of competitive intel, what's wrong with competitive content today? So when I part of the reason that I joined the team was I took a look at some of the materials, content, battle cards that had been built out. And they were great. Like this is by no means disparaging the, the work that was done before I joined the team. Um, it's, it's, it's great. It's excellent. Um, but I did see like a lot of opportunities for improvement. And one of them that jumped out at me right away was that there seemed to be a lot of focus on like the background of the competitor and their company and like, you know, who's their leadership? Where did they, where are they, where were they founded? Where are they headquartered? What are their financials? Like all that kind of stuff. And it's like, I'm pretty sure sales reps are just skipping through all this. Like what they want to know is like, what is their pricing? How does that work? Um, 
when we win deals against them, why? Why do we typically, like, what are our differentiators? How can we talk about how we're different than them? Um, when we lose deals, why is it? Like, what are the traps and red flags that I should be aware of that, that help me know that, you know, I might be on my back foot on this deal? Um, yeah, so, so a little bit more of the practical, like, how should we be positioning? How do they position against us? How should we position against them? Why do we win? Why do we lose? Objection handling rather than like even product, like deep dives into product are great, but they don't come up as often as sort of the high level understanding of how do we differentiate what's what's the difference between the two solutions and how can we simplify it? Because, you know, a lot of sales reps aren't the most technical people. They don't feel comfortable talking at a deep technical level, but a lot of the decision makers that they're talking to aren't either. You know, so really helping to paint the vision of like, why have other brands chosen Shopify over this competitor? That's what really matters to them. They're, they're more concerned about what their peers are doing and why they're making those decisions rather than, you know, a, a specific set of features or technical limitations or, or anything like that. Often, you know, those things will come up down the road and you're going to have to address them, but the most important stuff to know right off the bat is like, yeah, how do we differentiate? Why do we win? That sort of stuff. Yeah. It sounds to me being as applicable as possible for a seller. And I mean, as you mentioned, sellers, you've got a bunch of competitors coming up. You've got, you're probably in X amount of deals as a seller going on at once. So you're juggling a bunch. Like you, you need the, the content of the talk tracks that are just going to help you in that moment, in that very moment. Uh, and I think that's, it seems to me like that's kind of like your starting point. And then there's these kind of more deep dive product kind of teardowns that come with it, but that's not the, the, the highest usage, especially from a rep standpoint. Yeah. I would almost say like, you know, save that kind of stuff for the more one-off, like, like our team, we're happy to do sort of one-on-one -on -one deal coaching when we get into really tough competitive situations. You know, when we get really deep into the technical weeds, it's usually our largest, most complex uh, opportunities that, you know, they're not the 80%, right? They're the like 10 to 20% kind of deals where it's okay for you to put that little bit of extra effort in to win the deal. But that level of, you know, technical depth or understanding about the history and direction of the organization or the competitor um, is probably not going to be necessary in like 80% of the, the opportunities that your reps are working. Yeah, it speaks to prioritization. Um, your biggest ones, they'll get more time. They might get that deeper dive. But ankle biters, like you, here's some quick dismiss. Here's how you can position uh, Shopify. Okay. So yeah, and I should mention actually, sorry to interrupt. I should mention that we, we, we validated this as well. So one of the things that we're doing is like surveying the, the, the consumers of our material. So mostly sales reps, but folks in like marketing and product and all across the board use it as well. And asking like, you know, when you look at our battle cards, which information is most useful to you, right? Is it the company background or is it the, you know, why we win, why we lose uh, kind of stuff? And then the results pointed towards the latter there? Generally, yeah. yeah. Interesting. Was there anything else that stood out to you in terms of that feedback from, from end users? No, those were the big ones. People got a lot of value out of like, we, you know, we build our battle cards into sections, right? And those are, those are the sections that people like the most. I'm trying to think if there was any others. Objection handling is always a big one. And that's a tough one to handle because you don't, 
you don't want to just set people up with one-liners like this objection comes up crush it with this one-liner <laughs> a lot of the time it comes back to discovery so we really have to sort of walk the line between sales enablement and competitive intelligence so uh, i think that that becomes important there but it's a lot of that stuff that walks the line between competitive intelligence and sales enablement that the reps are most um that they're looking for the most yeah that they're the most hungry for Okay, so let, can I can I dig on that a little bit? Because I'm curious, I haven't had the opportunity to go into a competitive deal and handle an objection like this. You say it's not one liner, but you mentioned it's more like discovery based. Is that in, in terms of your competitive content, is that something that you kind of apply into some of the battle cards, like kind of questions to ask that when you hear this objection, it's not just this one liner. There's like a series of questions that can kind of reframe the discussion. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to, I'm trying to build it in. This was sort of a, a realization that I made, you know, a few months into the role. And yes, we'll sometimes include, you know, when this objection comes up here, questions you should ask. Another thing that I've been, um, you know, coaching reps on more and more often lately is that a lot of objections, they're really disguised, disguising another objection, like another deeper objection. So, you know, I'm worried that, you know, the old saying, like, you never got fired for choosing IBM or whatever, right? So if your product is kind of not that, like, safe, typical choice, um, then I think that decision makers, buyers will often come up with a lot of other objections when the true ob objection under it is like, I don't want to lose my head over this. I don't want to make a, a choice that I might regret. I'm going to go the safe route. So while you're while well, you're batting down all these other objections, it's like you're not really addressing the true one that's behind it. So, and you only learn this through having conversations with sales rep, right? Like, why do you think we lost this deal? Um, and understanding, like, ultimately, I think it came down to them just like not wanting to make this decision. So, not wanting to make this risky decision. How do, how would you tackle that? I guess it's a case by case uh, situation. If they're they're peppering you with these objections that are what I what how did you put it they're covering up the real core objection at the root of it all how how would you I mean you've you've got sales leadership experience here like how would you tackle that and and that's another reason why I think it's important to have a competitive intelligence team and competitive intelligence resources is because you can coach reps hey if you know that you're up against this particular competitor or this broader category of competitors know that this is one of the reasons that we lose a lot. So like address that upfront. Don't wait for them to bring it up, bring up right in early in the conversation. Okay. A lot of other, you know, leaders who are, are deciding they're worried about the following things with, with Shopify. Are those a concern for you? Can we talk through them? I'd be happy to address them and, you know, share how other uh, other other customers who chose our solution kind of got or, got over that or how they're thinking about it that sort of thing so just address them up front that's that's so interesting we had uh for one of our ce lives we had david premer on and he mentioned that exact kind of concept like the getting ahead of an objection only when you know it's an objection that will come up like 90 percent of the deals with the competitor because you don't want to bring up an objection just for the sake of bringing one up but when it's something that you know is going to inevitably come up maybe on your third, fourth call down the road when you're negotiating on pricing or it's getting into the weeds a bit. That was one of his biggest tips was, yeah, get ahead of that very high-level objection so you can frame the discussion to begin with. That's uh, one of the coolest things I took from him. And it's, it's, it's interesting to see that you're, you're also kind of using that. 
Yeah, we work with David too. He's great. Well, that, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> uh, um, okay, let's. You've you've mentioned you've kind of mentioned this a little bit, but like now you're in compete. Can you share some of the things you've worked on to address the issues that you faced as a seller? I know you mentioned sort of these gong calls, uh, kind of prioritizing the content, but there are some are there some other things that you're doing right now, running compete that are yeah supporting the sellers as best as possible. Uh, yeah. So the battle cards are huge. Um, just like coming up with the cadence for connecting with them. So joining their, either their team meetings or, you know, broader like segment meetings or regional meetings or how, however your organization is structured. Um, you know, sometimes it's to give updates and, uh, and to share everybody, you know, we're releasing this new battle card or this content or, or something like that. But sometimes it's just to listen, you know, to hear like what, what they're struggling with, what's going on, what kind of initiatives are they taking on so that you can align yourselves with them better. Um, so yeah, staying plugged in. That's another one. Uh, one of the other things that I've done is like, I, I noticed that whenever we win a big deal, like a tough competitive deal, um, there would be a lot of requests for like, oh, t- to the rep who won the deal or lost the deal. You know, walk me through this deal. I'd love to know why they ultimately decided to go with us over this competitor. So I ended up sort of turning that concept into an internal podcast. And that's actually, I think, how we got connected because Nate, who's my, uh, who's my you know, customer success manager at Clue, was like, oh, you're doing a podcast you know, Adam's doing a podcast. You guys should do one together. So, so I built this podcast around that exact idea of like, walk me through this deal. I call it, I call it, what's the deal with that deal. Uh, <laughs> that's an, an internal conversation, just like this, two people sitting down chatting through. So, you know, we won this deal against this tough competitor. Why, you know, why ultimately did they decide to go with us over them? What kind of, um, you know, barriers or objections did you come up against? How did you overcome them? Who, you know, who was the decision maker, what was important to him, all that kind of stuff. So that's another one that's worked well. Well, this is super unique. And I think this is something, yeah, that was on my radar. Nate was like, you, you got to talk to Brock. This is really cool. This internal podcast. Shout out to Nate. Shout out Nate, the best. So can, can you share a little bit about like how you've done this? Because I think for someone, for a listener that just, just came across this, like, oh, someone's doing an internal win-loss podcast. How would you suggest that they kind of kick this thing off if they've never done this before? Yeah, there's a couple of ways that I go about finding kind of the material for it. Um, you know, you got to monitor your sales channels. So what if there's a big celebration? Hey, we won this huge brand. Uh, you know, we, we beat out this competitor that we've been having a hard time with. You can, you know, find stuff there, reach out to the rep, ask if they'd be open to talking through it. Also monitor our CRM data so I can kind of organize, you know, recent deals by competitor. And if there's a competitor that I know we're struggling against, maybe I'll reach out to a few of those reps and see like, hey, it looks like you, you know, won a few deals against them. You want to talk me through one of them? Is there one that you think like everybody could learn from? Um, So that's another way. And then once it kind of got on the map, I started having people coming to me and saying, hey, you know, we just won this deal through a brand new partnership that we made and we really want to showcase it across the org. So can we you know, work with you on that? So that's been cool as well. The really tough thing has been finding loss stories. Yeah I, think that, yeah, I think that the losses are almost more important than the wins, right? Like you l- learn a lot more from losing a deal often than you do from winning one, but it's not quite as easy to pull competitive losses out of the woodwork as it is <laughs> with wins. So 
I think that's one where you just got to keep asking, um, you know, again, use your CRM data, get to know some of the sales reps and, and, and some of the sales leads and find out if there's any examples, because a lot of the time the reps will share them with their internal team. Mm -hmm. Everybody could, could learn from this and benefit from it. So let's talk through it as well. How are, how are you distributing it? We've got like a internal video sharing service that we use. So I'm hosting them there and then I'm posting them in our Slack channel. So we've got a, a pretty strong following on our competitive intelligence Slack channel. And then I've also been, once I release one, I'll, I'll build a CRM report for anybody who's in an active compete against that competitor and share it with them directly. Um, so yeah, anybody who's sort of like related, you know, if they're on the same team, if they're in the same segment, same region, I'll say, Hey, you know, in case you didn't see it, you should check this out and kind of push it out and be a little self-promotional that way as well. Well, it, it's self-promotional, but it's necessary, especially at a big company like Shopify, like you need, yeah. you can, it's not like a build it and they will come kind of thing, right? You need to get it into the hands of sellers with the least friction possible. And I think it kind of speaks to what you mentioned from the start in terms of just kind of building visibility organically, but then it's also building content is super useful like this win loss and then trying to get it to them. And then one, I, the cool thing that you mentioned, I mean, I've experienced it too with this podcast is like, there's just this tipping point, right? Where once you you provide a good episode or it gets to the hand of a seller, then this flywheel begins and people start bringing stories to you. And then the job becomes infinitely easier. And then it, that's kind of the core thing that needs to happen in order to be, I don't know, fundamental to like how you run and compete, for example. Yeah. Yeah. The biggest one, another good tip, if, if anybody else goes down this road, was, was the most popular one so far is, was a boomerang story. So we had a, a large merchant who left Shopify for a competitor and then came back like a year later. And that's a story that like every single rep wants to know because it's now a cautionary tale for anybody who's considering going with that competitor, right? It's like, hey, actually this this uh, brand decided to go with that competitor and they came back to us. And here's why that's super valuable. And that's cool as well. Cause it's sort of like you mentioned as well, like priority, like what competitors are coming up or affecting revenue the most. But then also like when, when you mentioned our boomerang, it's like the unique angle on the story or what's the interesting point that you can kind of with these different win-loss stories is you can cover all of these different spaces, right? You've got a boomerang example. You've got, here's a competitor that's been really messing with us this quarter anything like that. And you can kind of start to segment these, these um, episodes out for each different um, competitive issue your reps are probably facing. Right. Yeah, for sure. I'll try to get a mix of segments too, because we, you know, we offer our services to such a broad um, range of sizes of, of brands, you know, all the way from a million dollar brand to a multi-billion dollar brand. So um, making sure that there's sort of a mix of different sizes, because sometimes we're talking to, it's, a, it's like a one man show, right? We're talking to the founder slash CEO slash, you know, e-com manager. And then sometimes we're talking to the head of a 35 person e-commerce team. So those are very different cycles. What's the, uh, do, do you have sort of a length that you typically go with as well with these kind of internal? I try to go, yeah, like 15 to 25 minutes max. I don't know. That's like, I'm a big podcast fan personally. And like, I don't know if it's, if I'm biased because that's how long it takes me to walk my kid to daycare and back. <laughs> so anytime it's longer than that, I'm always kind of like, I gotta finish this one later now. Or, yeah. You know, so I try, I try to keep it as digestible as possible. It's, you know, it's 
people are busy, right? I know like you're jumping from one call to the next a lot of the time as a sales rep. And I think if you can squeeze it in between quickly check my emails, maybe listen to this or you know, something that's not going to take up too much time, that's that's ideal. My my last question on on this piece here on the win loss podcast is it's great to get the seller's perspective on a win win one or loss deal. But we also know that that's only one perspective, right? That's from a seller's lens. Is there anything you do from your your own world as the compete pro? I mean, you, at, at times, like a compete expert needs to be sort of the, what is it? The, the respectful truth teller as well. Is there, how, how do you sort of total line or balance that? It's not like, yes, we got the seller's perspective. We trust them to be as honest as possible, but here's what we're also seeing as like a, from a macro view. It's tough. I, I'd love to start bringing customers in on it more. I think that that would be obviously an incredibly valuable perspective. Like how did this go down on your end? Who, you know, who else was part of the decision-making process? What kinds of internal, you know, concerns were there or fears were there, that kind of thing. Um, There has, there, there was one that I did, and this is pretty new. I've only done like six episodes of it so far, but there was one that we did where we had the, a member of the the partner team who we sort of co-sold it with come in and join as well. And they were sort of uh, like an unbiased third party. They were going to be working with this merchant, regardless of whether it was Shopify that they built their site on or or some other competitor. So understanding their role in the decision-making process and how they ultimately came to sort of back Shopify and and promote us as as their first choice was a a good alternate perspective for sure. All right. My last question for you, or my last topic I wanted to hit with you is so now you're in compete. You've been in compete for what a year now, around about a year. Yeah, just shy. How has your perception of the role changed now that you've moved from sales to running compete and enabling sales? I think it's it's easy to lose sight of how busy the people that we sort of support are. And again, my team is mostly focused on supporting sales reps and and like increasing our our competitive win rate. So I have to constantly remind myself that like they are effing busy. (laughs) You know, they have got a whole day of calls scheduled. They've got their manager breathing down their neck to update their CRM. They've got, you know, the sales enablement team trying to convince them to do some kind of training. You know, they're trying to better understand legal, whatever it is, right? Like, um, so I think it's just a good reminder of how sort of targeted and tight the content needs to be. And I also think that it so often when I was on the sales side, I would just want someone to help me, like, just get on a call with me for 10 minutes and talk me through this, or just give me what I need. Don't point me to a resource or a doc or a spreadsheet or something like that. So Again, back to what we were talking about before with walking that line, I think that it's okay and important to just give people what they need sometimes and help them and work directly with them to to make their lives easier because they have a lot, a lot going on at once. It's what you've done so well so far is putting a face to compete as well. And you have sort of like this, you have this credibility as a seller and some of the initiatives you've done are taking their feedback and then implement it in the resources you create, but you still need to be hands-on as well, which again, I've talked to some people running some 
of the top compete programs around and they're they're still sitting in on these competitive deal support consistently but yeah what what is the balance where where do you know how to how to sit where to allocate your time i don't know (laughs) (laughs) i don't know i'm figuring figuring it out as we go i think that again we're working on building out resources to help people find you know the information that they're looking for i think it's partly like you know who are, are there people that keep coming back over and over again looking for the same sort of thing and how can you you know teach them to fish a little bit um but yeah honestly i don't, I don't have a great answer for that one it's one that we are, are trying to figure out as we go but one of the things that um that we're starting to see is that the the organization is recognizing the value, right? So I think that you can um, you can offer a lot of value by helping people directly, and then if you can sort of parlay that value into hey, we need more of this, like we we can't keep doing this at the pace that we're doing it. We need to grow the team and look, there's demand for it. People are you know happy with the support that they're getting from us. We're influencing opportunities. We're bringing in revenue give us the mandate to, to help grow our team. So, yeah, I think that that's, that's the balance you need to strike being personalized enough to really like get people enthusiastic about the services that you're providing and then use that as a way to justify growing. That's uh that's a great response. We had a podcast episode, just, it just came out this week. I mean, we're recording now, but it would have been released by now. And uh, a gentleman, it was a team of one, compete team of one, exact same case as you mentioned there, hands-on deal support, but also building out sort of self-serve resources, such the value from, I think the thing you mentioned there is organizations seeing the value. So like execs seeing the value, sales leadership seeing the value, that credibility, because you've been doing hands-on deal support will allow you to build that business case for, for, for and, and for his case, it was getting additional headcount. And now he has someone that is fully hands-on deal support, whereas he can kind of toe the line between doing a bit of that higher level strategic um, support as well and sitting in on more executive discussion. So I, it's, it's, it's really interesting to hear you say that as well. Um, kind of going through your, your, your thought process there is originally like, I don't know, but it seems like the work you're doing now is setting you up for, for growing the compete program. Yeah. And, and like shout out to my lead. He's been very, uh, intentional from the beginning about ensuring that our team goes deep and not wide. You know what I mean? Like pick a, pick an audience sales, pick a region, North America, pick a product. If you have multiple product lines and just like crush it and make sure that you're really helping that one specific sub segment, even if it only ends up accounting for like 10%, just make sure it's the most important or strategically know, valuable 10%, like if there's a particular product line that you're most focused on or something like that, um, knock it out of the park with them. And then again, because, because if you go too broad and wide and you're trying to help everybody and you're doing kind of a shitty job of it, then, you know, it's just going to fall apart. People are going to lose trust. They're not going to turn to you and they need help. So I think that was one super important lesson that I took from him, which was helpful. Again, that's something I've heard from some people I really respect in the space. I remember Dan uh, from, from Salesforce is like, don't spread peanut butter. Don't just kind of like loosely try and fill the cracks by doing everything. And, and uh, another, another person, uh, uh, Elise Knuckles mentioned that saying no 
it, it's kind of in, in line with what you said about prioritizing, right? Don't just say yes to all of these projects that spread you thin. If you hone in on your priority, nail that proof of revenue, proof of helping win. I mean, for you, you said you are very clear, like it's improving competitive win rate. So now that is the thing that you can hold to and be tracking and reporting to. Um, and then again, if there's, if there's more demand, then well, let's grow this thing. So Brock, I really appreciate your time. I think we've nailed this podcast to fit within your walking schedule to daycare and back. Nice. <laughs> appreciate it. Where can, uh, where can everyone reach you? Uh, you can reach me on LinkedIn, Brock Everett. Um, yeah, I, th- I think that's probably the best way. <laughs> that's I'm, the not, best I'm not way. on Twitter. I'm, I'm like, I'm, 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 I'm doing the mental health thing. I'm staying off the socials. <laughs> You're cleansing yourself? I'm yeah, yeah. jealous. So, I'm envious of you. So LinkedIn, don't be surprised if it takes me a week to get back to you, but that's the place to get me. Yeah. All right, Brock. I, I really appreciate this. This was an awesome episode. I know our listeners are going to get a lot of it. So thank you so much for your time and we'll catch everyone next week. Yep. Anytime. Good chatting with you.